Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. Good morning, Winter Meltdown. How are we doing this morning? Nice. Well, I'm really excited to be here again with you this morning as we continue to explore um, what Scripture says about the possibility that we might come alive and live a life more abundant that Jesus talked about. Um, before we get started this morning, yesterday, I, I promised that you guys would get to meet my family. Well, they're not here, but I do have a great picture that we took um, right before uh, my son was dedicated at church. This is my family. Um, the best looking one in that picture is definitely my wife. I love her so much. Um, man, she loves Jesus more than anyone I know. So I want to tell you guys this, because some of y'all are in that age where you think that shopping for a spouse is a good idea. Wait until you find someone who is so desperate for Christ. That's all you two can talk about. It is so, so worth it. The little one is Rowan. That dude's hilarious. He like just screams at you now. We don't know what he's trying to say, but it's something good. And then the one upside down is Tucker. Um, that kid is nuts. And it's crazy because as a four-year-old, he speaks in like these full sentences. And he like, you, you have to catch yourself not debating with him because he's four. But like he, he'll hit you with some stuff that's just nuts. Um, and what's really crazy is that I'm already seeing the Holy Spirit work on his heart um, and, and it, it's just been so much fun, but that's my family. Um, we love spending time together. Um, we love picking on each other, to be totally honest with you. It is so, our house is crazy, but it's a, it's a lot of fun. So that's my family. Um, I'm only able to be here because of how awesome my wife is and partly because she reminded me that we had this going on this weekend. Um, I've got ADHD so bad it hurts, but we'll get through it together. But if you guys could do me a favor and turn to Genesis chapter 3, um, which is right after Genesis chapter 2, so if you kind of remember where you were in your Bible, um, you're looking for a big number 3, that's chapter 3, and you're looking for a little number 1, that's verse 1. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through most of the chapter, but we're going to kind of slowly work our way through um, so if you remember last night, we, 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 we kind of spoke about how we were created and everything was perfect. There was a perfect intimacy in the garden and that intimacy lasted all the way till chapter three, verse 15 that we'll cover this morning. God created everything. He created it perfectly. He created man and he created woman and then he created a special spot for them to live he formed us. We have intrinsic value because our creator creates valuable things. We, we, we spoke about how there was this beautiful intimacy with our creator. He came down and he breathed life into our nostrils. We were designed both physically and spiritually. And those two things became married um, on that day that God created us. And then as we ended our time last night, we spoke about how sin entered the world. We spoke for just briefly, but, but that sin that really created an issue with, with, with intimacy between, um, between two people. When I was in high school, um, I was in a youth group, and I had a lot of friends in that youth group. And let me tell you something, man. Like, we had so much fun. 
That, that season of life where I was in, when I was in youth ministry as a 10th grader um, was some of the best memories I have of, of, of just being excited about what God is doing and, and, and being excited about um, you know, seeing people come to church and come to faith. I remember we were so excited about um, what happened actually was I got back from summer camp with me and this other kid and we were like, dude, like, could you imagine, like our youth group could, 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 could be this. So we would go to school and like I remember vividly like walking up and down the lunch line asking people what they're doing on Wednesday night and then they would tell me nothing and because there was nothing to do. We were in this town called Johnstown, New York. Actually, we weren't even in Johnstown. That was downtown. We were in Perth, New York. Our main street was a tire shop, a gas station, a bank, and a weird store. And then that was it. And, and I remember the trailer park up the street from church, this wave of students would always walk over on Wednesday night because we had dodgeball. It would be like 50 v. 50 in the gym. It was nuts. My youth pastor just kept buying more dodgeballs. Well, I was really close with my friend. His name was Tommy, and, and we would do everything together. Um, we would, we would, he would take me fishing, and I hated fishing, and, and I would play video games with him, and and we would go on bike rides and we would go out to the lake together and we spent a ton of time together. I love, I love Tommy. In fact, we even let off bottle rockets inside the church sanctuary, but that's a separate story for another time. And, and I remember this one Sunday, Tommy came to me after church and he's like, hey, hey man, do you want to go fishing with me? And like, I hate fishing. I have a lot of fishing related trauma, all right? Like my dad used to try to take me fishing, but taking the kid with ADHD to an event where he has to sit and wait is not the thing to do. So I would start playing with my fishing rod and I love taking stuff apart as a kid. I would start playing with my fishing rod and, and then I would start like doing these weird casts because just the normal one was getting boring. And I'm like, dad, why aren't there any fish biting? And he's like, cause you're talking and it would be this battle. And then one, one time, man, my dad took us fishing and we was a camping fishing trip. And it was, it was cold and we forgot to bring pillows and it was freezing and the tent we brought was too big for how many people were gonna be in it. And so like we couldn't keep the body heat. At one point, my dad like had to burn like a propane lamp inside of our tent, which you're super not supposed to do because we were just freezing to death and it was weird because it was really hot during that, during that fishing trip. Um, I dropped my MP3 player in the river. I lost about $50 worth of fishing lures. And um, I stepped on some um, river grass that went through my crock and into my foot. It was the worst. So then when Tommy says, let's go fishing, I'm like, I'm only doing this out of a dedication and devotion for my love for you. So I said yes, and we were gonna go fishing, it was gonna be whatever, and then my other buddy said, hey, we're going to Stewart's for ice cream after church, do you wanna come? So I was like, well, that's way better than fishing. Yes. So I went, and I got back, and Tommy's like, dude, where were you after church? I'm like, oh, well, you know, Philip and Barry, they wanted to go, I, like, you, you really hurt my feelings. And as a young man, that was the first time I had really hurt somebody and they were honest enough with me to tell me what had happened. And I'm like, oh, well, Tommy, I'm sorry. He was like, I, I forgive you, but I'm really hurt. 
Like, wait, I thought, I'm sorry, fixes everything. What, what, what's going on here? Like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm hurt. And then we were setting up for, for a youth event that was going to happen that Sunday night. And, and I'm like, you know, Tommy, like, let, let's go to Stewart's and let's us get ice cream. He said, I don't want to get ice cream with you. You hurt my feelings. Like, what? This, sorry didn't work. Ice cream didn't work. What's, what's going on? And I kept trying to ask him if he was mad. At, like, it would, I sinned against Tommy. I committed to him that I was going to do something. Scripture says, let your yeses be yeses and your noes be noes. I let my yes be a no. I sinned against him. And some of you are like, dude, you're in 10th grade. It was ice cream or fishing. It's not that big of a deal. No, no, no. Sin's a big deal. We're going to talk about that today. I wounded him. And the intimate friendship that we shared, my sin placed something in between me and him. And I was unable to access the friendship that we had created because a giant wall was placed in between us. What I want to want to do is, is, is I want to read Genesis 3 um, together. So I'm going to ask that we stand as we read God's word out of respect for it. And in, 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 this, in this morning, what I want to do is I want us to look in Scripture and see what happened. Because we all in this room this morning have felt or are currently feeling what took place in the Garden of Eden all the way back in Genesis chapter 3. And some of us have come this morning and we're not sure why we feel the way that we do, but this passage explains it perfectly. We're going to see what destroyed the intimacy. We're going to see the destruction of creation and we're going to see God's plan to restore it. Let's read Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. It says this. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and the tree was to be desired to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you. Lord, we need you this morning. God, I pray that you open our hearts. God, I pray that you receive this act of worship. Temper our minds and our hearts for your truth. God, empty me of myself. Oh, Lord, how we need you and we love you. I can't wait to see what you're going to do this morning. In your name we pray, amen. You guys can be seated. 
You see, what happened here was really crazy because Eve was just doing her thing, living in the garden. I think a lot of people assume that there was nothing going on in the garden, but everything that we see in scripture tells us that God didn't just create, um, you know, I, I jokingly last night said God created Akuna Matata, right? But if you've watched um, the really good documentary um, called Lion King 1.5 or one and a half, um, and I call it a documentary because it really happened. Um, so... If you watch that, like, you know that they were just hanging around, like, having competitions to see who could eat the most bugs or spend the most time in the hot tub tar pit thing. That's not really what happened. The garden was beautiful, and there was plenty of food, but, like, there was some, there was some active, like, work. I mean, there was man to till the ground. Like, like, they were doing things. There were probably Garden of Eden chores. They weren't as brutal as they are now. Has anyone in here ever worked on a farm before? Yeah, it's, that's brutal right? Like just here's like a little like fun freebie. If you're ever in school, right? And you get the idea that you might need to fight somebody. Don't fight the kid that works on the farm because he has something that we like to know is farm boy strength because he spent his summer in the back of a hay baler catching 50 pound hay bales coming out of the hay thrower and stacking them for his dad on the 15 acres of land that he has. Okay, that dude can pick up a small car by himself and laugh while he's doing it. It wasn't that brutal then, but there was still stuff to be done. So Eve was doing her thing, living her best life. And a serpent came up to her and started having this conversation with her. Um, and and he, he created a scenario in which she thought that the best thing that she should do for her life was take that fruit. And I think that when you look at this passage, the first thing that stands out to me is that humanity, Eve, Adam, humanity wanted what was not theirs to have. They wanted something that did not belong to them. You see, I think a lot of people, and, and I think this is, is, is this, this is a condition or a, um, this is a condition of, of the way that we learn Bible stories when we're in Sunday school, and I'm not really sure there's much we can do about it um, other than continue to read the Bible and search it out for ourselves. But I think what happens is, is we sit in Sunday school class, and some of us even have the felt board, right? Like some of y'all know what I'm talking about, right? And they get the little felt pictures out. And we talk about how Adam and Eve ate an apple, and eating the apple was a sin. And then our minds as, as, as little children equate the eating of the apple with this sin and then like it's just oh well because she ate the apple everything is a mess which on the surface is true but the first thing is is that we don't know what kind of fruit it was it just says fruit and I think that's important it's not the fact that she ate the fruit was that wrong yes that's specifically what she was told not to do but that's just surface level there was a heart condition taking place in Genesis chapter 3 that caused this whole thing to go down. She wanted a knowledge of good and evil. And she knew to receive that knowledge, she would have to take the fruit and eat it. It was the heart condition. Eve was given a boundary and she crossed that boundary. She was told how to live and survive in the Garden of Eden by her designer, 
by her creator. She was told what she could do and what she shouldn't do, which the shouldn't do list was super short, by the way. Super easy. And, and, and she, she, she ignored it. She stepped over the line. Guys, we are the safest when we live where God has placed us. She was placed within some really clear boundaries and she stepped outside of them and look what happened. Scripture is full of really great, simple, difficult to execute sometimes maybe, but simple boundaries. And, and, and when we live within these boundaries, everything is awesome. But when we rebel against these boundaries and we try to take things that are not ours or are not ours yet, that's when we get ourselves into trouble. Like really simple stuff. Really simple things. When we go and we take, like, I don't know, cookies or whatever from the cookie jar that are not ours, as a, as a young child, our mother was saving those for dessert after dinner, and we wanted it now, even though it's 9 o'clock in the morning, so we sneak into the kitchen, we take a cookie, and we eat it. That cookie was eventually going to be ours. I don't know if the knowledge of good and evil was eventually going to be Adam and Eve's. Like, we don't know that. Scripture doesn't say it, so we shouldn't necessarily teach it, right? But we take that thing early, and it's delicious then, right? But then our stomach kind of hurts because the first thing that hit it was sugar. And then after dinner, there is now no longer that blessing from our mother. We took that thing early. Or, 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 or maybe some of us have taken something that was never designed to be ours. I mean, when I see stuff like this and I think about the context in which you guys live, I can't help but think about how some of you are in here really struggling with, with, with your sexual purity. Like, I don't want this to be awkward, but we're going to go here for a second. When you take, the, when, when, like God has designed sex to be this beautiful, wonderful thing. But he's created a boundary around it. And that boundary is, is that it is for marriage. Sexual things are, between, are for between two people that love each other enough to make a life commitment to one another. It is between a man who loves a woman and a woman who loves a man so much that they've decided to do life together in an intimate way for the rest of their lives. That's what it's for. So when before you get married, you go and you watch pornography to be able to have some taste of that, you are taking it too early and you are ruining the blessing. And it's not good for you. It's unsafe. It is a safety issue. It does things to the chemical makeup of your mind that are difficult to undo and take years to be able to fully undo them. And you know what? Every single person I've talked to, including myself, by the way, because I had to be rescued from that, we, like still, like years down the line, you'll just be doing your thing, living your best life. And you'll have this vivid, horrific memory of the things that you used to do. So if you've not stepped into that arena yet, 
awesome. If you have, tell somebody. Let's get you, like, let's start talking about what redemption and recovery from that looks like. And I'm not just talking to dudes. It's bad for all of us. Even if you and your little friends just think that it's really funny to watch, like, like let's just, like, everyone's watching this weird video, let's watch it, still does irreparable harm. That can only be repaired by the Father. If you are with your girlfriend or your boyfriend and then you go and you have a, a little bit of, of, of whatever to, to step into that, that, that sexual arena with them before you get married, you are taking something that is not yours and you are taking it too early and it is a safety issue. God designed that to bond two people together. You're, be, you're becoming bonded with somebody and you just factually don't know if you're gonna be married to them and you are doing that with someone else's husband or wife. And even if you do get married, that's great. You will then now be married to someone who you share the memory with of doing something God specifically asked you not to do. And there, look, where the ideal is lacking, God's grace abounds. There is grace and there is love, and the Lord restores, even in my own life, oh my goodness, how the Lord has restored me. But if you ask any classic car enthusiast, they will tell you, original, with the original paint, and the original engine, and the original interior, is so much better than what's been restored. Now is restored great and awesome? Yes, I'm not here to make anyone feel horrible. Restored is the bomb. But why create the work for the Lord? Why experience the pain of restoration? Because it's awesome, it's good, but there's growing pains. We're safest when we live within the boundaries that have been created for us. What we see here is Eve stepping outside of those boundaries to take something that wasn't hers. So that's Eve's part of the story, but Satan has a, 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 a part of this as well. Satan wanted destruction for creation, right? It says a serpent. Let's look at the text. It says, now the serpent was more crafty than the beast, uh, than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. Um, it, like the, this serpent was obviously possessed. This was obviously Satan, and what's interesting is, is that Satan did not say, yo, Eve, you should eat the fruit, bro. That's not what happened. Because if any single one of your friends comes up to you out of the blue, or maybe even the strange kid you don't talk to at school, they come up to you out of the blue like, hey, you know what's a good idea? You're like, I don't know. I don't know your name. You know what's a good idea? You should right now take drugs. No one in here is going to be like, capital idea, dude, hit me up. No, because like, like, like it's, it's brash. Like that's a bad idea. Or like if someone pulls up to your house and be like, hey man, what are you doing tonight? Oh, you know, a little bit of homework, nothing. Why? What's up? What do you got? Like, we're going to go rob a bank. No one's saying yes to that. But what happens here is Satan comes down and he uses crafty language Look at this. This is important. Satan uses crafty language to create a scenario in which Eve exists where she believes now the best thing for her life is for her to take a hold of the fruit that God told her not to touch and then to eat it. This is how temptation works. This is how temptation works. 
You will be doing your own thing and a scenario will be created where you will feel like that is an okay thing to do. So what I want to tell you is to know this and to be aware of this. And we need to know this because the enemy is still on the hunt. Satan didn't come down to the snake, screw with Eve, and then stand back. No, he is still around. 1 Peter 5.8 says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. We have to be actively watching for this because it's a problem. I mean, frankly, it's possible. I mean, Eve probably didn't even want or think about doing the unthinkable before Satan came and, 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 and made it seem more attractive to her. What's interesting is, is that the fruit is described as looking different than the other fruit in the garden. And I can't help but wonder if, if it looked better to Eve because of what Satan said. Because Satan's really good at making bad ideas look like good ones. And every single time I counsel a young person who has done something they regret, and even personally, they're never like, yeah, I knew it was dumb, so I did it because I knew it was dumb. It was always, I knew that that was a bad choice. But you see what had happened was, I was alone with them in a room and my parents stepped out and we had 20 minutes together. Or I was really lonely and my friend had told me about a website and he had sent me a link and I had ignored it, but, but it was sitting on my phone. I didn't delete the link like I should have. Or I was really going through it and, and my friend had some... My, my friend had some, some things that she had been prescribed for her anxiety, and she said it made her feel better, and she gave me some. And I knew it was a bad idea, but like it worked for her, and I thought maybe it might, 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 might work for me. Or I was sick and tired of my parents telling me they didn't have any money for anything, so I just went and figured out how to make my own money. That thing that we know that we would never do ends up looking better because of the way that Satan positions himself and I want, this is a free one. I don't even have this in my notes, but guys, I want to warn you, none of us are above doing anything that we see. We are all just one bad choice away from doing the unthinkable. And the reason that that's the case is because Satan likes to walk around looking for those of us who aren't living in 100% intimacy with the creator to pick us off. And here's the crazy thing. Eve allowed herself to stay in this danger, right? Think about Satan for a second as a roaring lion, right? And you're you. If you see a lion coming towards you and you realize you're inside the lion enclosure at the zoo and the door's behind you, what do you do? You walk out the door. And then you close the door behind you and you go, wow, that was weird. I don't know how I got here at the zoo. I was at RVR. But here's the thing. Eve and Adam, just in the previous part of chapter two, just named all the animals. They interacted with all the animals. And now this snake that didn't talk two days ago is having a conversation with her. That is a great warning to maybe leave. And she didn't. Do not allow yourselves to stay in danger. You know how you like to sin. We all have our favorite sin. We do. It's just the way it is. Don't put yourself in a position that makes it easier to say yes to that. 
Some of y'all are in here and you're struggling with the pornography that we already mentioned. Pro tip, buy an alarm clock, plug it in your room, plug your phone in in the kitchen, because looking at that stuff in the kitchen is super weird and you just won't do it. Here's the other thing. Adam didn't say anything. It says Adam was with her. I repeated that when we read the text. Adam was with her and he didn't say anything. Some of y'all are watching your friends make bad choices and you're not saying anything. Sin steals. That's the next part of this. Let's look at Genesis chapter 3, 7 through 13 as we kind of wrap up and see how this turns out. Um, If you look at chapter 3, verse 7, it says this. And then the eyes, of the, bo- the eyes of both were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Mm. Sin steals. God came down to walk with Adam and Eve. And they did not want to walk with God. That intimacy of a daily walk through the garden was stolen because of the sin that they had committed. Sin stole their innocence. They used to be able to walk around naked like everything was fine. And like that's kind of funny and a lot of pastors like to joke about that. And like I have too. But for the context of right now and what we're talking about... None of us will ever know what it's like to be so unashamed that we don't feel like we have to cover ourselves with things. That was stolen from us. And some of us, especially some of us that really struggle with our body identity and how we feel a way that we fit into the skin that God has given us, like that's real. When I was in high school, um, in middle school, I had a terrible diet and then I started working at McDonald's, which just made it worse. And I had the worst acne I've ever had and I've ever seen in my entire life. It was horrible. It got to the point where I wouldn't even look in the mirror anymore because I knew that I wasn't going to like what I saw. And I don't want this to be trivialized. I mean, that's real. And for some of y'all, that's real too. I wanted to hide from even myself because I was ashamed with what I saw. None of us will ever know what it's like to be totally unashamed of what we see because of sin. Sin steals. Sin stole innocence. Sin stole intimacy with God. Sin destroyed everything. They wanted to hide. Everyone was watching in the garden, watching these two creatures that have fallen from grace and they could not bear the thought of it. So they hid themselves with clothes and then they hid themselves from God himself in the garden. Their intimacy with God was stolen. I want you to know this beyond everything else. Sin is serious. Who's heard the phrase, oh, well, you're only human? Come on, yeah. Yes, you are only human. And the thing that you did that caused someone to say that has stolen your intimacy with God. And yet we parade around like it's no big deal. It's just a little white lie. 
It was just a couple dollars out of the cash register. No one will notice. It was just a quick kiss. It's no big deal. It was just a picture I sent. I want them to like me. But sin kills and destroys. In fact, I, used to, I had a friend. I found out that he was doing something really dumb. I'm like, dude, really? It's like, well, this is just my sin. Everyone has one. No big deal. And it stole more than just the intimacy. It stole the perfect world. You know, because of sin, everything is broken. My relationship with the people around me is broken because of sin. My relationship with God is broken because of sin. My relationship with the world around me is broken because of sin. Like, I don't know what to believe about the whole global warming thing. I don't know what to believe about the environment, because I, 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 I just don't. I'm not a scientist, I'm a pastor. So like I stay in my lane and they stay in there, whatever, all right? But I see things around me not, like, like when I see ducks on TV covered in oil, like that's not good. Like that, like no one can tell me that's a good thing. I actually, I grew up in, uh, like when I was a really little kid, my parents lived in this, in this buzzing metropolis called Danville, Virginia which is not a buzzing metropolis. Well, they had, a, they had a textile factory there. My dad has told me I actually have a letter from that company that is now, I think, defunct or got bought out or something like that. They're going to pay, if I ever get cancer, they're going to pay for my cancer treatments because of how toxic they made the air in my neighborhood. That's not good. That's a result of sin. If you think of something bad, think of something bad right now. Sin, that's what caused that thing. Sin is serious, and it needs to be handled as such. And because of sin, humanity is cursed. God hands out some consequences for sin in verse 16. Really quick, to the woman, he says that childbirth is going to be brutal for you now, and it is going to be difficult for you to have relationship with your husband. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband. He shall rule over you. And then to Adam, he says, because you've listened to your wife and have eaten of the tree that I've commanded you not to eat, cursed is the ground because of you. Farm work is going to be harder now. Making a living and providing for your family is going to be harder now because of this thing that you did. Humanity is cursed because of what we did. Because of sin, we are now cursed to look for the intimacy that we've lost And because two imperfect things can't make something perfect, this curse is generational. When Adam and Eve had a son, that son had sin in him because two sinners made a sinner. We're all sinners. Two imperfect things can't make something perfect. That's heavy. <laughs> but before we wrap up our time today, I want to tell you that all is not lost. If you look at verse 8 in chapter 3. Sorry, verse 14. I lied. If you look at verse 14, God is talking to the serpent. He says, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all the beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. And then in 15 it says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head 
you shall bruise his heel. That passage is talking about the snake crusher. You know who the snake crusher is? It's my Jesus. He killed sin for me. And he didn't just come down and put the bristle stomp on the snake and move on with his day. Because that wasn't what had to happen. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. Which means that when he came down, he, to crush that head, had to have his heel bruised. Which means that he had to die for me. He had to come down and live a perfect life so that no sin was in him. Because he that knew no sin had to become sin to pay for it for me. And then, you know what? Anybody can die for somebody. It happens all the time. If you want to see an example of it, watch a World War II movie with Tom Hanks in it. Happens all the time. That's the easy part. What Jesus did was come alive again on the third day for me. Defeated death, defeated the grave for me. And he did it for you too. He did it for all of us. So finally, up in this place today, some of y'all are jacked up. Some of y'all have this whole thing wrong. You're living for yourself and you're searching for something to fill the hole that was left by the absence of intimacy with your creator. Maybe it's like... Maybe it's sex. I don't know. Maybe it's money. I don't know. Maybe it's fame. I don't know. Maybe it's fill in the blank. And you're in here and you're feeling gross and empty and unsatisfied. I'm going to pray and we're going to leave and, and I, there's, there's some music that's going to happen. Do this. Make eye contact with your leader. That's your code for this weekend. I need to have a chat with you about some sin I have in my life. I need to have a chat with you. I want to know what Jesus is. I want to know who Jesus is. I want to meet Jesus. Will you guys do that for me? Let's pray. God, thank you for who you are and how much you love us. Lord, I pray that you give us courage to make eye contact with leaders. Save us, Lord. Introduce yourself to us for the first time. We love you. We need you. In your name we pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Live After Camp episode. Discover all of the year-round adventures at RVR and find out how you can support our ministry at rivervalleyranch.com. Thanks.